Build a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to Bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Branvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. How you doing this morning, Jay? Skull Vikings. Skull. We're holding <laughs> on, man. We are holding on. We A girl can dream, can't one, she? Exactly. We got one more shot here. And, and, and a shot that I will stand up and go, I didn't think there was a chance in hell we were going to make it through round one. No, no, no. But we did. Yeah, look, on any given Sunday, we'll just leave a it win, at that. A W's a W. It doesn't a matter a how it happens, where it happens, why it happens. A w's That's a why w. they play the games. <laughs> exactly. But they ain't going to win this one. No, probably not. <laughs> of course, they'll surprise us again, won't they? I'm not that's that's the thing as as Vikings fans we're not used to surprise victories. No, that Minneapolis miracle was not what happens for it us, happens it happens us. to us. Yes. I was just I was talking to a, my auto mechanic about that. I go, "Yeah, I'm just used to that miracle being done to us." I didn't <laughs> exactly. know how to react when I saw it. I'm like, "Wait a second, this can't be true." And and even last week when we beat the Saints, with the, the, the walk, basically yeah. the walk-off touchdown, walk off, yeah. it's like, no, that's how everybody else wins against us. Well, yeah. we won? No, no, we, we won? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, look, uh, hope springs eternal, you know, but uh, we, I, we've been through four Super Bowl losses. You know, you can't scare us. So, so, you know, next week, if we aren't wearing our Vikings hats... You know we lost. You know why? Yeah. <laughs> it's like my Fender hat. Jumping off, we jumped off the bandwagon <laughs> again for the off season. <laughs> right, right. Um, all right. So I want to do a a quick uh, little bit of a round of housekeeping here. Thank you to our sponsors. Huge shout out to Bruce and everybody at Hypebot for everything you do to promote the podcast and share our posts and everything. It means a lot to us. And, of course, bands in town for doing the same thing, sharing our our posts and, and everything you do to support us. Much appreciated. And, and, and of course, uh, Music Biz Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Bandzoogle. Bandzoogle is built by musicians for musicians. It's an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. Bandzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of musicians around the world, from weekend warriors to Grammy winners. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, mailing list tools to grow your fan lists and newsletters, fan club subscriptions that are commission-free, crowdfunding tools that are commission-free, um, social media integrations, and, of course, amazing live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. So we got a special deal for Music Biz Weekly listeners here. Head over to bandzoogle.com, register, try it for free for 30 days, when you register, use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY, and you'll get 15% off the first year of any subscription. So head over to Banzoogle.com, promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY. And, of course, we also want to thank Disc Makers for sponsoring us as well. 
Um, we know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media, for today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments are so small. Man, that's all you read about is people complaining about their digital royalty payments. That selling products like CDs, vinyl, T-shirts at gigs has become an important income generator. We've said it many times. It can be the difference between sleeping in your van and sleeping at a hotel. <laughs> it's a big difference. Big difference. Um, or, you know, eating cold pizza from the dressing room or actually eating dinner at a restaurant. Um, for every CD you sell at a gig, you'd need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. That's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are a place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. So we got a special offer also for our Music Biz Weekly listeners. Head over to discmakers.com, check out, and if you order CDs of 100 or more CDs, following me, 100 or more CDs, you'll get free shipping up to $150 value. And that's a nice chunk of change, you could Absolutely. say. Um, but you got to put in the promo code when you check out free biz for disc makers. It's free biz to get your free shipping on CD orders are a hundred or more up to $150 value discmakers.com. Thank you so much for everybody who supports us. So this week uh, we got a, a special guest with us. Yeah, we have a we have a really great guest. We have Keith Jopling um, coming to us from London, England, uh, via Skype, and Keith is uh, a music freak. He is a an analyst, a writer, a researcher. He he works with a company called Midia, M I D I A, and you should Google them. They have some really great information articles about the new music business, and he writes a lot of those. Uh, he and Mark Mulligan uh, kind of run that place, and uh, they they put out some really super helpful articles. But he also is very experienced. He's worked with Spotify. He's worked with Sony. Um, he's got a lot of insights. We could have talked for a lot longer, but he also has a, um, I guess you would call it a blog. It's it's um, Song Sommelier, and he not only curates playlists, but he kind of tells the narrative around it and provides original artwork. And there, you know, there's one I was just listening to with Freddie Mercury. Um, there, there's so many of them that are so good, and and I encourage you to check those out. But uh, I think Michael, you'll agree, we we could have talked to him oh, for hours and hours. So much, so much in-depth stuff we could have gotten into. I mean, we just briefly cruised over stuff like playlist strategies for 2020. Yeah. Smart speakers, um, social within streaming platforms. You know, curated playlists. Uh, yeah. You know, just scratch the surface. Fascinating discussion. Yeah. Um, let it Keith roll. Jopling. Keith Jopling. Today we have Keith Jopling. Keith is consulting director, media research. He's also the founder of the song Somalia, uh, which we'll tell you about in a minute. And, uh, you know, if you looked at his LinkedIn, it was pretty impressive. I, I, I got to read this because I was blown away. It's like, here, here, here's Keith on, on LinkedIn, building and coaching analytical teams. 
He's good at analysis. Leadership and stakeholder management, information design and insight communication, customer lifecycle management and subscription services, developing data-led products and services, business and commercial development, program and project management, and having serious fun. So there's a lot of big words in there, I, Keith. I, I was, I was going to say, as Gene, as Gene Simmons loves to say, there's a lot of big words like gymnasium. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lots of big words. So Keith, Keith, thanks for joining us today. So, so Keith, the interesting part for me is, you know, when I, when I put together my Your Morning Coffee email every week, I look for really interesting articles on this new music business. And I, I try to find who did the research, who wrote the article, because a lot of the articles you find on the web, you know, someone will take something that you wrote and they'll put their opinion about right. it. Or, you know, and more often than not, I would find that these articles that were really interesting about, you know, this new music business, they were written by you and you actually <laughs> did the research. And uh, so good, tell us a little bit about your, what's that? It's good to be the source material of something. <laughs> it is. So, so tell us like. Um, your your background. I, I know that you had you'd worked with Spotify. You've worked with Sony Music, but give us a, a sense of how you you got to where you are. Well, I I started in the music business through seeing a a job ad that was posted by the IFPI, um, and you know it was the strangest thing because I was previously working in the pharmaceuticals business, having worked in healthcare for a while doing marketing analytics actually back then and i just saw this job advert uh it was actually like folded out on the ft at a, at a conference right at a pharmaceutical conference in the seat right in front of me so it, it was like a fateful uh thing it was like well yeah. you know, this this thing's calling me here let me take a look at it happened to be a uh the research uh, executive role for the IFPI sitting now. On IFPI, the- sorry to interrupt you, but IFPI is really kind of the international version of R R I A, right? Correct, correct. Okay. Yeah, it's it's the International Federation of the Phonographic Industry. Okay. Probably, probably needs an update on that name. I think they've yeah, tried. Yeah, most people are going to be. Most people are like, "What is phonographic?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something for adults only. Exactly. When I mentioned it to my other half, I said, oh, "I've been." I've seen this uh, job interview. She said to me, like, I don't see you in porn. <laughs> Hurtful. But yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of offended by that. You're like, you sure? Okay. <laughs> but um, it, was a, it was a great role because it was, um, you know, board level and, you know, I was just touching 30. So it was great to be on, on board at that kind of level. It's a chance to report into the chief executives of the labels uh, three or four times a year, you know, you're sitting in front of these guys reporting the performance of the industry and its future. So did that for six years, very privileged role. And then um, I kind of just got bored of the cyclical nature of that, of that job after a while. And I had all these people approaching me, like looking at what should they do about the music business from investors to uh, telcos to management consultancies, so I thought, well, I could probably just do well here if I if I just do this on my own. So for the next six years, I, I was a, an independent advisor, just you know, like a lifestyle business, but but doing all kinds of interesting things. 
Um, I did a year at EMI under the terra firma ownership, which was crazy, just absolutely nuts. Yeah, uh, should have filmed it really. <laughs> I would have been like an, a, an award-winning documentary guy to film what was going on there. Um, I ran an innovation process in digital music for the BPI that went down really, really well in the UK. Um, and then I, I really needed a break from music. Actually, um, when I, I founded Media with Mark Mulligan, and I really needed a break, so I said to him, "Look, I'm." I've got this other opportunity. I went off and ran an agency for a couple of years. Uh, and funnily enough, that led me to Spotify because we were pitching to Spotify. And what so, year was that, roughly? It was 2015. So oh, okay. in the summer of 2015, I joined Spotify as a consultant. Was there for four or five months consulting and then went on board as an employee, did a couple of years in the global strategy team. Um, Based probably, in London? Based in London, yeah, like mistakenly. Like it really <laughs> should have been two people in New York and, and Stockholm instead of just one in, in London. Um, so I did. I, that was fun. I did that. I really enjoyed that. It was an interesting time to be there. And when yeah. I came out of there, you know, obviously, you know, the, the major labels was an obvious thing to just call a few friends and say, look, you know, um, could be interesting for me to, to come inside and take a look at how you're going to cope for the next few years. So I did that with Sony, and I still have a really close relationship with Sony. So I contracted with them for um, a full year in, in global digital business. Um, and then I've, I've done a, a few things since, but gradually was edging back to, to, to media because Mark Mulligan had built this business, an amazing analysis business, as you know. Yes, um, and he was getting, you know, there were plenty of uh, knocks on the door for, let, let's say, solving bigger problems like music investment, um, you know, major streaming platforms with bigger projects. So he sure. needed someone to kind of come in and run those. So for that, people who have never heard of media before, can you, you know, just tell people what media is? Yeah, it's a it's an analysis um, and data and insight business that that is focused on the media sector. Uh, and in fact, when we did the branding together at the beginning, um, I, I'm kind of proud of the fact I came up with the name and the branding. So it actually stands for not that it matters. It stands for media insights and decisions in action. But it's like one of those things where it doesn't like no one knows what Spotify stands for, and it doesn't matter. No, right. it's brand. the connection between between what we do and the media industry. Interesting. So now you're you're doing all this great research, and and I love the reports. And there's it's it's evolving so quickly. How do you decide what you're going to dig into? Yeah, I mean, look at the, between uh, Mark and I, we have this. Uh, we know the music industry so well. We we tend to have a, a really good gut feel of what's coming, um, and obviously to try and stay ahead of the curve. That's not difficult because we've been in in the sector so long. And when we get our heads together, you know, often the 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 bigger problem is prioritizing. Well, what should we talk about first? It's like we don't want to be too far ahead because it's not relevant to people. That's right. Uh, but we want to be just ahead of the game so that we're enticing enough and we're, we're bringing, you know, we're getting the interest of the people who we want to, we want to engage with. And they are the people who think more. Right. Yeah. Um, 
And then across the other sectors, we just got some smart cookies across sports, uh, gaming, uh, and video now. In fact, you know, Tim Mulligan, who's Mark's brother, as a matter of fact, he did the keynote at MIPCOM, which is one of the biggest uh, video business yeah. conferences ever. You know, to I think it's bigger than anything that they've had. Uh, and he opened it with the keynote. So, yeah, the, the profile is rising. And, um, you know, the topics are pretty easy. They just pick themselves. Yeah. I was I was going to say, you know, looking at the list of your posts on Midia, um, a couple of them that jump right out at me is like, oh, these definitely sound interesting. I think they'd be very interesting for our listeners. So maybe you want to dig into one or two of them. Um what should label playlist strategies be in 2020 and what's the next big growth curve for music? I mean, those, that, those, those are two things where I think everybody's like, yeah, what's next? What do I, <laughs> what do I do with my playlists? I, because yeah. I personally kind of feel like playlisting right now is where websites were back in the mid nineties when the internet first appeared and the first websites started to appear, there was this clamoring of, I got to have a website. I don't know why. Somebody said <laughs> I've got to. It's talked about every night on the news. A website, a website, a website. So they build the website, but there was no strategy or understanding of it. I think playlisting is sort of in that area right now because it's, it's new, it's young. As Jay and I always say, it's changing literally daily what what these services offer for playlists, their terms of use, what you can and cannot do, the tips, the tricks that you can use. So I kind of feel like playlisting is right there at that moment of people know they got to be there, but they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I mean, I I did that report largely from a label perspective. I tried to cover the, the perspectives of the various players in the industry, but I did it from a label perspective for, for a reason. And that was, they, I felt that they were running short on ideas, right? So they, the labels had this first generation wave of success with their own playlist brands. Filter, uh, radio, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, Sony had um, uh, 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 Flickr. Filter, no, radio. Filter, thank you. Yeah. And Topsify was, was Warner's. Yep. And, right. you know, they got to a point where they were featured on, on the editorial on Spotify and they had their own offline presence and all of that. Then that just got a massive smackdown over time, right? But as soon as Spotify realized their owned and operated content was, was going to be, was really going to fly, Mm -hmm. Everything else just got put to one side. So it got difficult. And that left the labels and still does leave them in a tough position because they can pitch to playlists and they still have relationships at Spotify. But Spotify wants to level that playing field and make that um, an objective thing for everyone in the business. So it kind of became suddenly very difficult. And then, you know, there are ways around it. So I, I think what I found when I joined Sony, so when I came out of Spotify and I joined Sony, you know, there were smart people working on playlisting there, but they were kind of focused on, well, how can we cheat the system? Or how, <laughs> how can we play the system? That's shocking. So, you know, they had really great stuff for um, 
for search criteria. You know, you'd have these playlists with these insanely long, long titles because that just registered easier for the search. Um, so, you know, they were gaming the system and they were doing their best on that. And then the next sort of step is, well, how can we reverse engineer the algorithms, right? And no one can really do that. You can't second guess that. So what I was kind of, the point of view I was coming from with that report is that you need to take back some control. So if you have your own brands, you could do some great cultural marketing of these brands offline and then influence what happens on the platforms. Uh, you can work with some new players coming into the space and I identify you know, a bunch of new players yep. in that report, which is worth, worth taking a look at. Yep. Uh, you can work with... Um, the community, the vast community of third-party playlist um, curators out there, and I'm one of those, by the way. Sure, I, and we'll I, talk about that. Um, and engage them in a similar way to which YouTube engaged all of its uh, social stars back in the day very successfully uh, by giving them playbooks, tools, uh, awarding them some, some funding, um, bringing them into the community, like you know, the labels have the power to do that, uh, and they have so. They, they, the problem is they have so many more artists that they have to market through the system, and more and more songs. Right, it's becoming a volume song business. Right. Uh, so that's where I came uh, with really coming from from that report. It's like trying to inspire new thinking that's a bit more confident and creative, rather than constantly trying to second guess. Spotify or the platforms or, or try and kind of cheat the system because you're just, just going to run out of energy doing that. Right. You know, Mark was at the Music Tectonic Conference here in Los Angeles and I got a chance to go and, and say hello and he had a really nice high level kind of overview uh, that he had for the, art, uh, for the audience. One of the things that he touched on um, is something that's near and dear to my heart and that is the music business and these smart speakers, and I can't say their names because they're surrounding me and it'll be bad luck. <laughs> Everybody be talking but, to you. You know, it's, it, and that's the thing I think that keeps me up at night is, you know, we're moving so quickly into that world mm. and yet there's no clear-cut way to d deliver metadata consistently so your artist or your title comes up and if you have a on certain platforms if you have a slight accent things don't register and it's or you get the right thing but it's an old track and not the new one that you released you know two weeks ago i mean there's so many things is that something that's front and center with you right now is kind of these new technologies dolby atmos smart speakers some of these things is it front and center? Not quite, not quite. I think that's part of the problem, Jay, is that um, with with the, the smart speakers and the voice technology, and, and it's it's a kind of a fragmented market. That's that's part of the problem. So one of these things is that you know that the, the the tech standards needs to be worked out, and that's yeah. never going to be something that I'm going to focus on. But somebody, it's an opportunity for someone. Yeah, uh, those things are a nightmare, but. The, the issue is that, um, so the guys with the smart speaker technology, because they're not Spotify, it's the others, they right. don't have the same body of data on behavior that Spotify has. 
Right. So they don't. They haven't built enough data themselves to work out how to um, how to develop the skills of what they what they've got. Um, and then on the label side, um, you know, voice is getting bigger, and they recognize it, and they've been investing in skills, but they're kind of investing in fits and starts. And it's not enough to say, okay, let's spend tens of millions of dollars on metadata. Uh, and across the business, someone's got to spend a hundred million dollars on on investing in that metadata. So I, I guess that's that's to come. Um, I think to all our frustration, these things don't happen until the install base of the platform is very mature. And I think we've still got some way to go on on that. Um, I, I think it's really interesting what some of the players are doing in terms of how it could work for voice, like. It, uh, in the playlist article I wrote, I picked up on what Pandora was doing with modes, and I thought that was really interesting, you know, because if you think about how how voice may change the discovery and the enjoyment process, it, it is basically making it easy for someone to shift mode. Mm -hmm. So if I want to, um, if I want Amazon or Spotify or even a radio station that I'm a fan of to play my favorite artist channel, I want them to play my, um, you know, my my Bruce Springsteen channel or whatever, or maybe I want want them to just play my rock channel. Um, I thought it's pretty interesting that 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 mode switch would allow you to go into discovery mode, so you get more new 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 music. Um, go into uh, more of a lean back mode where you're going to get more catalog; it's more familiar. Uh, and maybe you can even change the mode on the type of content. So it can be more of the podcast and the voice stuff uh, alongside the music. So we're right at the beginning. Um, I don't think we're at the point where there's enough incentive um, for the labels to invest heavily in metadata they need to get their market share up on that platform. Because at the moment, it just there's no way of measuring what that's going to do for your market share. Right. And, and, you know, streaming is a market share game. That's right. Uh, so I, I think it's going to take a little while yet. It's, it's very, very early days. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think there's a lot of great things that are coming, but there may not be a lot of ROI in that immediately. So, you know, they have to spend their money wisely. I think even with streaming, I'll find artists you know, with similar names or the same name, and they're all kind of lumped together. You know, we're we're in the early days here. This is the wild, wild west. We're we're starting to figure all of this stuff out. Um, we had talked a little bit about um, curation, and I, I'd like you to talk a little bit about uh, the song Somalia uh, a little bit, um, because I'm, I'm I'm discovering more and more stuff there, and. Um, before you kind of tell us about, you know, what it is and, and, and what you're doing, I, I, I love the artwork for all these different playlists. Do you do that? Or is that a friend of yours? Where's that artwork coming from? I wish I could do that. I wish I had the talent. <laughs> that's, that's, that's real talent. Uh, um, yeah, the artwork is done by Mick Clark, uh, who was introduced to, to me by uh, a long-term design collaborator partner that guy that I've worked with for many years. So when I came up with the original thought and idea, <clears throat> excuse me, I wasn't sure if I was going to do it. 
or not. I thought, you know, because, you know, it's a big time commitment. And is sure. it going to make any difference, right? Or is it just going to be a drop in the bucket? Uh, it was kind of like, well, what can one guy do? You know, that's that that was the challenge I had. I, I knew I wanted to make a statement. And then I was introduced to, to Mick just via email. I, it took me six months before we met. But he started pinging the, these uh, covers through. And uh, as soon as I saw the artwork, I knew that was that was it. That gave me the confidence, actually, to go, OK, I can I know I can write so I can write some sleeve notes. Yeah. For years and years, people have been telling me, you know, can you send me that playlist or can you share some recommendations with me? So I had the, uh, a little bit of curation. I had a lot of playlists in my library as well. So putting those three elements together was the core of the proposition. And then from there, you know, the, the, so the principle, first of all, of the song sommelier. So the sommelier thing is a, it's, a, it's a vague concept. It, it, <laughs> sort of, the idea is, you know, we're for, the, we're for the connoisseur, but we're also inclusive. So it's more about, look, um, we know there's a vast problem out there. My, my feeling is that... You know, for all the talk of discovery and how it's been improved by the streaming platform, there's still a huge discovery problem. Because yeah. the more you have access to the more stuff, the more discovery becomes an issue, right? Yeah. And it's not just um, discovering new music; it's actually discovering it, uh, enjoying the the context of where it comes from. Building your familiarity with the with 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 the music that you may easily may easily pass you by on just one or two listens, right? And you know, I, people were just complaining to me all of the time. You know, Spotify is great, but I still can't find I still can't penetrate it. That's what I was hearing. You know, I can't get my head around it. And that issue isn't for you know just your um, your average casual um, interested music fan. That problem is for your more engaged music fan who, who's, who is really into their music um, yeah. and, and now has to navigate this, this digital access, whereas previously they could look at a row of CD covers or you know, go to their vinyl collection. So the whole idea was to bring that quality over, quality over quantity. Right. Yeah, so well, the one the thing that you do that I don't think anybody else is really doing, at least not doing well, is the narrative, having something more than just a spreadsheet with some songs. Um, if you get a chance, if you haven't checked it out, um, Music Aficionado has uh, a new streaming service, and it's fantastic because it's like a magazine. There, there's no just playlist. It's like, here are the 20 songs that you need to know by this artist, and this is why you need to know those. And, and that's what I like about the song sommelier is that it's a more immersive experience. It's not just you going, here's my mixtape. It's you yeah. saying, this is why I put together this mixtape. And for those of us who remember what a mixtape is, there was a science behind the tune stack or the, the, you know, the order in which the songs were put together. It wasn't done haphazardly. There was a method to that madness, and there was a narrative involved. Yeah. And I think that's what I, I want people to explore the song sommelier to experience that more immersive narrative experience. Is that fair? It's fantastic, and I'm I'm really glad you use that word immersive. So that that's some of the feedback we've had coming back is that it is an immersive experience, and that's the thing. What's missing with uh, I guess with the streaming platforms, like all of them, 
um, is that element of connection. So, um, you know, an algorithm's never going to get you that. Algor algorithm's going to get you um, uh, a very, very fine-tuned facsimile of your of your interests in in music. But it, it it's a fax. That's the problem. Um, I think what what we're trying to bring is more the personal stories. Um, that people would then connect with. And so what I want to happen with those playlists is for someone to say, okay, like the Nationals are a band that I, that I know and, and love, but, mm -hmm. you know, this is, the, uh, this is one guy's story of how he discovered that band, what some of those songs really meant to that person. In this case, it was me, but we have now um, like eight or nine people curating with us. And, and I want to expand that. And I think that's that's what we are as humans. We want to connect with other humans and their experience and share a little bit of that. So I, I want people to really play that playlist two or three times and get to love it because that's what happens when when I curate them and when when the team curate them is we're listening to this stuff four or five times and I still go back to it. And that's the thing that's missing when we have all of these playlists that are buckets of tracks and in fact they, they are buckets because some tracks get shifted out other tracks move in that's right they're, they're scheduled almost like to be a kind of a, like a radio station that doesn't build up the familiarity that people really love with music so it's a kind of a way it's it's a vessel for the craft that's what i often think you know artists are spending um weeks and months and years of their lives creating this music and then suddenly it's it's put into a bucket and it's switched out if if too many people skip it. So it feels a little bit like um, that. That to me is is um, there's an imbalance there of love in the distribution. So I just want to try and bring that back in, into into the game. Keith, let me let me get your thoughts on this. You know, I'm I'm like Jay and and you. You know, I'm a deep music listener uh you know i've been using spotify for years and got vinyl sitting next to me and you know the whole thing so i love my music and i love the discovery but it seems to me speaking from firsthand as a fan using spotify a couple of the big issues that i see are uh, one the lack of education by the streaming services on how to actually use the streaming services. Meaning now, because I've been using this for so long and I'm the only person using this and I'm very clear about what I play and all this other stuff, the algorithm playlists that Spotify gives me, the Discover Weeklies, the Release Radars, mm. know me so well. They've yeah. got me down. But it wasn't that way two years ago, five years ago, seven years ago. It took repetitive playing, playing, playing for them to learn this. It's now, I mean, I, I play my one of my um, weekly mix playlists that Spotify creates this week. And I was just like, holy crap, this is like an absolute perfect playlist. I've never felt so at at ease with a playlist. It was just perfect for me. Yeah. So, and, 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 and I talked to a lot of people who are new to using Spotify. I just talked to an old business colleague at lunch yesterday and he just jumped into the Spotify world and he's absolutely enamored by it. 
But he had no idea what the Discover Weekly was. He had no idea about Release Radar. He had no idea about the, the playlist that it creates for you. And I feel that, one, that's a shortcoming that they have. They are not telling you what's mm. important about these playlists. The other thing is all of them, although Spotify had it for a little while, but all of them are missing that deep social hook. Yeah, I can make a playlist and I can share a playlist, but I there's no community built within the music wow. listening experience. And yeah. and and why is that happening? I don't know. I mean, again, you know, it used to be years ago, us old timers, you could send a private message to a Spotify user that you came across and you could have conversations. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it yeah. starts now as a social thing. It started very social and they've removed those. Thankfully, they haven't disrupted the playlisting abilities, but it's almost like everybody is right now going, oh my God, even the streaming servers are going, Playlisting's where it's at. Let's just put all of our effort into playlisting. Forget about building out social for f building community, building all this other stuff, um, making it immersive environment. They're just focused on one thing. And I feel like that's sort of what's going on. As a user myself, as somebody who talks to new users, there's just mm. a lot of uninformed people about how these <laughs> <Yeah>. services, <laughs> you know. I, I, agree. I, I, I agree with you. So th taking those two points separately. So on the first point, you know, just educating you how to use it. Um, I, I think that's a really good point because I guess the, the design culture within, certainly within Spotify, and I, and I would say that it's, it's there within the others as well, but Spotify is the leader in terms of, uh, that design culture runs through everything they do. They, they, I guess the the ambition is to make that platform intuitive, as intuitive as possible. So, I guess the point where they feel like they've got to serve tutorials and so on that disrupts that's friction disrupt disrupts the the user experience and, and stops people using it the way the way they want to use it. Now, I think on the flip side. It's become, there's so much in there now. Yep. There are so many features. Uh, there's different types of content. There's different. There's all the data, so there's the personalization aspect versus the curation aspect. They now do need to do that. So, but, you know, when I was there, I, I, I mean, I remember talking to the, the CMO um, at the time, Seth Farbman. He's gone now. I said, Seth, you've got to run a campaign that says become a super user. You know, because that would be sure. basically educating. Become a super user. You know, it's like, like really tone your Spotify muscles. You know, I thought that this is going to really connect. And of course, Seth is like, yeah, he really liked me and all my ideas. He's like, okay, leave, leave the marketing to the marketers. All right, kid, we got this. <laughs> so, uh, I, 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 you the strategy guy. Um, so we had a good laugh about that, and they didn't, they didn't go with it. Um, and it's fine because that that leads to the second part of the question, which is that they have so many priorities, right? So um, they can't do everything, uh, and often you, you know, they think they can, but then they realize they can't. So they have to stack the priorities sure. in order to get anything done. So right now, everybody knows this. So we've seen that the priorities for Spotify is is podcasts. Yep. Um, 
you know that's kind of be, that's kind of come up behind playlisting so that's the new thing there um you know they've been yeah. prioritizing their uh their artist so super fan serving so you know you can go to the fan page you can you you, you can see what else is there for for an artist so they've been kind of prioritizing that so these things have come they've been prioritized over and above the social side and you know you kind of have to just wonder how is that going to come to the surface so if you leave Spotify to their own devices, the social side will rise to the surface when they realize they need that kind of growth that it can give them. Uh, or they see that there's an opportunity there or someone within that organization shouts loudly enough and says, I want, I want us to be more social. It'll come up. Right. Or if their now, competition a, does it and does it well, they'll need to. Yeah. Look, I mean, in the meantime, that's the opportunity for the competition. So in the in the work that we do with media, that's that's what we try and educate the competition to do is like, okay, don't try and emulate what the leader is exactly. doing. Exactly, they're better than you. They got there first. They have more data. They have more capability. They're invested. Yeah, you, you know, you got to zig when they zag. So look at what they're not doing. Look at the opportunities and 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 the the latent needs and the kind of glaring gaps in the market and go for that. So, like, this is probably an opportunity, I guess, for, for ByteDance and TikTok because they have more social features and that's been picked up by Spotify. They've recognized that. They kind of paid yeah. them a compliment. Uh, it's not for Apple because it's not in Apple's DNA. They can do something else. Probably not in Amazon's DNA or or is it? You know, maybe, So you have to kind of balance it between where's the gap in the market, what is the leader not doing, what could we do because we have the capabilities and the interest to do it? So it's an opportunity right now, a glaring opportunity for anyone to come in because it's clearly going to Im increase the amount of engagement. Yeah, you know, because yeah, what, what Jay clearly. and I have said many times is at, at the end of the day right now, whether it's Amazon, Apple, Google, Spotify, Deezer, you got 30 million songs on all these platforms. You got this pretty much the same library everywhere. So you can't sell the service based on the access to music anymore. I can get that music anywhere I turn around. Um, what you've got to sell is what separates your specific ability to listen to music that's different that somebody else can't do. What, what feature, what social aspect what community aspect does that's right does apple have that spotify doesn't sell that don't tell something me that again. differentiates you yeah you that's you know, like cobuzz you know with yeah. their high quality or I, I mentioned you know music aficionado you know i love those different services because they're doing exactly what you just described keith they're not trying to compete necessarily with spotify and apple music they're saying look there's a lane here for everybody you know and if i super serve my customer and there's plenty of people out there I, i'm not saying this should be genre based or mood based but you can certainly hit a certain demographic you know and super serve them and still you know uh, have a successful business um keith we could talk all day and i would love to have you back again unfortunately we're running out of time but i did want to you know we touched on song um sommelier. um can you Tell the listeners, like, where can they go and and listen to these things, and where can they find them? Where can they experience them, and and where can they find you on the web? Well, Song Sommelier, uh, you know, I was really surprised by 
by the fact that URL wasn't taken when I when I when I started it. You know, I kind of sat down and had a brainstorm with myself and did a mind <laughs> map. And I was like, well, you know, everything to do with the song economy and music is going to be taken, right? Sure, um, you would think. You would think, and then you know, you put these two. And the only doubt I had in my mind is I, I'm aware that not everyone knows what a sommelier is. Uh, you know, particularly if you're under the age of 30. I mean, these yeah, days, if you know, you're not drinking wine or going to fine restaurants, you might not yeah, know exactly. And, and you know, I think, well, okay, maybe I could just then educate people to go to better restaurants, right? So, <laughs> uh, so there's a mystery behind the word, but if you can spell it and you can remember it, you'll find the site because it's the you know, it's a kind of unusual URL. So, so that's right there on the website. Okay. It's hard to find it on streaming platforms for the exact reasons we just discussed, because they're not bringing that social community to the surface yet. Um, so if that happens, great, there's opportunities to do that. But yeah, I'd encourage people to to go and find it. But you know, what you what you raise is a really interesting point. And you know, I had a couple of conversations last year with with some other interesting apps. Um, I think Station Head's an interesting app in terms yeah, of- Yeah, we had them on the we show. We had them we, on, we, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I get what they're trying to do. So they're trying, they brought this social layer and they layered it on top of the platform. Yeah. So we'll reskin Spotify and Apple, yep. right? There's a few people who are doing that. Noon Pacific are doing that. That's kind of interesting. It is. Um, I think, you know, the, there was a service that I really liked the look of. It's, it's still in beta. It didn't really get- it hasn't got out of uh, out of the out of the blocks yet. It's called Lost Music. It's based in the UK. So their idea was we'll reskin Spotify and Apple Music through the blogs and the music curation brands. So Rolling Stone could have its own presence on there, just like yeah. a DJ has a presence on Station Head. Sure. Um, these things will only work really well if they have the cooperation and support of the platforms. So they're not going to smack them down and hide them. Yep. And they have some support and love from the labels. And, you know, I've been in this process of trying to engage that from scratch. It's pretty hard. I mean, yeah. I, I now have complete sympathy for anyone starting a brand from scratch because to get the ball rolling and to get the snowball effects, that really hard work, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that's uh, an opportunity for others to innovate on top of the platforms that are sitting there. Because to kind of bring this to to a close uh, to a close of where I think we are in music right now is we've hit a level of stability, right? So I ask myself the question now: Who's disrupting? Uh, because it isn't really Spotify, you know. Spotify not anymore thing, and it's kind of pulled that back. Uh, its relationship with the labels is uh, is what it is, but they've realized they are mutually dependent partners. The competition sort of come through, and they're doing okay as well. So other than, say, something like TikTok, which comes along, interesting mm -hmm. proposition, everybody's yeah. trying to figure out what's happening. Um, I wonder who's disrupting. And I think we have this kind of steady state uh, uh, right now where things have calmed down a bit. And for the labels, it's still all about, okay, priority artist, priority song. And I think they just have to look, uh, open up their view a little bit Agreed. and, build and yeah. see, okay, there's a whole bunch of people here innovating in social discovery, enjoyment. Even look at the radio partners and say, well, what do you want to do next? 
yeah. and try and encourage them a little bit more. Uh, because if they don't do that, they're just going to be working, peddling the song economy harder and harder. Yeah. Uh, and what they need is they need an artist economy. You know, they still need to keep that album as a body of work a lot. And there are there are players out there who want to support that. They need to be invited in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, a topic for next time for sure. I mean, we could talk to you all day, Keith. Listen, it was an honor finally getting to kind of see you and talk to you. And I hope you'll come on again and talk with us and keep up all the good work. And uh, we'll be following the song sommelier very closely. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks. And thanks for having me on. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I really love your morning coffee. And I think uh, it's nicely curated. So thank you. keep up the good work on your side. And you All know, right. thank we, you. We can, uh, we can help to grow the business in some small way. All right, Keith. Thank, we'll thank talk you to you again Keith. soon. Take thanks care. so much. Bye. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Discmakers.com. Use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value. So many interesting things that we could have picked Keith's brain about. I mean, this would have truly been a two-hour, three-hour episode. If, if you go check out his blog posts online, yeah. like I said, there was two or three of them, right? The freshest ones since last October. I'm like, oh, let's dig into this stuff. Let's dig into it. It's like, but, you know, playlist strategies. That's yeah. a freaking two-hour conversation. Right. We could do two so hours much. on each one of those so, topics, you know. And and we should note that he was uh, coming to us, you know, with the time difference from uh, London. Yep. I don't know if you saw out his windows, but it looked like it was dark outside. I always think that's great when we can pull people in from other countries yeah, and yeah, have those conversations. Hours, uh, he was eight hours ahead of us, so evening for him. So, yeah, yeah you know, I, I, I would definitely encourage you um, – Track down Keith, follow him, read his blog posts. You'll get a lot of an incredible in-depth analysis, yeah. insights, commentary in, yeah. in all of his posts. Yeah, follow him. He, he, he writes a lot of articles that um, the public can access. And then there's a bunch of these articles that you have to pay for through media that some of them cost thousands of dollars and for good reason. They put a lot of re, you yeah. know, research into them. And But the, the thing I want to make sure people check out, it's called the Song Sommelier. And for those of you who don't know, S-O-M-M-E-L-I-E-R, the Song Sommelier. It's like a wine connoisseur. Yep. Or, anyway, the the thing is, is he creates these really great playlists. Like I'm looking at one from Freddie Mercury and it's, yeah, it's 31 great songs and all of that. A lot of people do that, but he writes a story around it, writes a narrative around it. It creates artwork for it. It's a deeper, more immersive experience. And he's been doing this with these playlists. And I find myself, you know, just riveted to these playlists because it's, it's like Michael, when you and I grew up, we had an album cover. We'd you open it read up the and stories. You'd read the stories, you'd see who wrote it, you'd look at the label. It reminds me of that. And it's just like our show last week, you know, about fanocracy. This is how you gain fans. This is how you provide that deeper experience and you're part of their tribe and all of that stuff. So yeah, check out the Song Sommelier. It's just songsommelier.com. And uh, you'll see some really, really great uh, playlists and stories behind them there too. Awesome. Super cool. Awesome. So, once again, we want to 
do a quick shout out to our great sponsors, hypebot.com, uh, Bands in Town, Bandzoogle, Disc Makers. Thank you all so much for everything you guys are doing to support the Music Biz Weekly podcast. We appreciate it. And um, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that little red button in the lower right corner, subscribe so you never miss another episode. And if you got a chance, head over to iTunes. Leave us a review and a rating. It would be really appreciated. Um, that's it for this week. Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We are out of here.